As more teams come to a disappointing close in their playoff run, you hear more interesting names pop up in trade rumors for the Chicago Bulls, the most recent being DeAndre Ayton and Jordan Poole. We're going to talk a little bit about those rumors before we go into the mailbag. All that and more today, Chicago Bulls Central. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, Bulls fans, welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central. Right off the top, if you want to follow me, you can do so at Bulls Central Pod. You can also follow me personally at CEO Hayes, whichever place you decide to follow me at. It's all good with me. But let's get into the topics for today. So as more teams come to disappointing ends with their playoff run, they naturally is talk about breaking up teams. And the, the two most recent teams are the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors, which both teams kind of make sense if they do a slight change to their, well, for the for the Phoenix Suns, they need to overhaul that bench specifically. I think they have a nice core there, but especially like you look at DeAndre Ayton going to the market, it makes sense. They never really wanted De- DeAndre Ayton on that level of deal anyway, but with the nature of how contracts and the CBA and, and luxury tax and things work in the NBA is that it made more sense for them to match that offer sheet for DeAndre Ayton and try to eventually move him later down the road. Now, uh, it came out yesterday that, A, that the Bulls are open to reshaping their roster yet again, but also that, you know, a, a separate rumor that the Bulls could be one of the teams linked to DeAndre Ayton. Now, we did a live stream, me and Steve-O, shortly after these rumors came out to kind of just talk about what De- like the, the, the permutations of the deal, things like that, and, you know, here, here's what it boils down to. Could the Bulls make a trade for DeAndre Ayton? Yes, they could. It could be difficult to do, especially if, you know, you you hear things talk about, well, just sign and trade Vooch there. That gets extremely difficult for the Bulls to really try to execute a sign and trade for Nikola Vucevic to go to the Phoenix Suns. But also, there's there's ways you can get those deals done without it. DeMar DeRozan's contract, things like that. But to me, that, yes, while DeAndre Ayton is still very young, 24 years old, uh, has been a very inconsistent player up and down over his career, um, especially in the playoffs, he kind of just shrunk when they needed him. One thing that's been evident with DeAndre Ayton is you do need a high-level point guard, a facilitator, to really get him in the game. And when it comes to that, I think we already have a passive player that we're trying to work out and get out of being in that passive area, and that is Patrick Williams. And I just do not see the Chicago Bulls investing $33 million in a player that hasn't that, – that this. Like, they already have to make a decision with Patrick Williams here within the next couple of off seasons. I don't see them attaching $33 million for a team that is that tries to avoid the luxury tax by any means necessary. If you get that reference, I love you. Um, and I just don't see them doing that for a player that has as many questions around them as DeAndre Aiden. It'd be different if the Chicago Bulls had a high-level motivator of a, of a head coach that was just confident that he can motivate DeAndre Aiden to just stop being passive. But we don't have that. We don't even have a head coach that develops the young talent that has some damn confidence in Dalen Terry. That's a story for another day. But with that being said, we do not have that. And so while the Bulls could put a trade package together for DeAndre Aiden, I also think that other teams that are actually interested, that may have a better system, they may have a better fit, they may not be worried about how passive he is because they have some high-level guards, Indiana Pacer being being one of those. Um, I think that they are would be more interested and have more assets than what the Chicago Bulls could ever give for DeAndre Ayton. And, you know, this is one thing that Bulls fans, and probably every fan base, but I'm a Bulls fan, so I'm more ingrained in this fan base than any other one, is that we always, every offseason, 
the Bulls fans try to convince themselves that we can get somebody for cheap. And it's not, it, it, it never comes to fruition. It never, like, people try to convince, oh, you can get Rudy Gobert for cheap. You can get Ben Simmons for cheap. Like, these are the last two off-seasons, right? But prior to this one, where people really thought, oh, you can get Ben Simmons for cheap because clearly the Philadelphia 76ers are ready to move on from him. And then look at the deal that they eventually got back for, for Ben Simmons, right? And then look at Rudy Gobert. Many people thought, hey, because of everything going on with that Utah Jazz team, they're ready to sell low on Rudy Gobert. They got five first-round picks back for Rudy Gobert. There is no such thing as selling low on a player that has a $33 million contract and is sub-25. Let me just wake you guys up to the reality of that. A low first-round pick in DeMar DeRozan is not going to get it done. It's not going to, unless the Phoenix Suns just look at DeMar and because of what they have there with KD and everything else, they just feel like DeMar is the is the additional scorer we need for this team, which scoring really isn't their problem anyway. Uh, but it, it would take for them to just have just DeMar as their, as their number one target in a case like that. And it's, it's just probably not going to come to fruition. So I'm not here to burst any bubbles or anything like that. I'm just here to be real. DeAndre Aiden coming to the Chicago Bulls, A, I don't see the fit on the court. B, do we really want another passive player that has tons of question, questions around his mental and part of the game and everything and his desire to even play? You look at somebody his size averaging nine rebounds per game in the playoffs, that's disappointing. So I will say that. Like, I do not think that it just fits in any shape, form, or fashion. Now, the Jordan Poole conversation, right? And here's what I'll say about Jordan Poole. Yes, he had a completely terrible playoff run. Um, and especially the series against the Lakers, Jordan Poole was absolute cheeks. The cheekage in that series from him and Draymond Green at times was free, and Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson was the cheekiest of them all, right? I, I'm 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 taking this cheek analogy really far, but you know cheeks as well. Um, so in hearing that 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 the Warriors very well may try to do something different with that team, but it came out since last night that. There's mutual interest on them re-signing Draymond Green to a multi-year deal if they can come to, to the number. I do think that there's some change coming to that Golden State Warrior team. Do they give up on a young player that they just invested in? Yes, they gave him that contract early. I bet you they wish they would have waited now to give him that contract. But I don't see that what the Bulls have to offer. I know the Alice Caruso of it all, they can use a very good defensive player down there. I understand that. Um, I just Jordan Poole gets cooked regularly defensively. We're talking about Cook. We're talking about uh, uh, DeMar DeRozan levels of pick and roll defense and off ball defense and gets completely blown up consistently as a young player. That's what we're talking about. Anything that you can say about Zach Levine defensively, as far as a negative, multiply that at least by two and a half times. That's Jordan Poole defensively regularly. Now, when he was on and he was playing great before when he earned that contract, yeah, Jordan Poole has a high ceiling still, but I just. When you look at the Bulls, I don't see them necessarily right now attaching heavy long-term money when they could potentially have upwards of $80 million in cap space in the next two off-seasons. I just don't necessarily see that unless they're getting a surefire superstar. I think they may really try to wait on that, but I could be wrong on that. But as far as the rumors right now, it's going to happen. And when you have a team like the Chicago Bulls that has such a disappointing season, the Bulls are going to be in every single trade rumor this offseason. I just don't think most of it, most of anything is going to come of it. But, you know, we'll see. But enough of me yapping. It's Saturday, so that means it's mailbag day. Let's go ahead and get into the voicemails for today. This first one is from Buddy Love. What up, Hayes, man? This is Buddy Love, lifelong Bulls fan from the city. I grew up on the south side. I watch our show regularly and often. 
And I hear all these opinions and hot takes, and I just thought it was time for me to chime in from somebody that actually watched the game and that knows the game. I actually think the Bulls are much better and closer than what we might see right now. A lot of times as Bulls fans, we want it microwave. We want it right now. We want it fast. When we got to realize this only our tourist third year on the job. Like, you got to give them some time to cook up. You feel me? Like, I think it's stuff off the court that they can do that will really pump up the roster and get the team juvenile to where they need to be. First, I mean, top five in defense is actually not bad. Like, that's a start. We need to fix the offense and the stuff off the court we can do. Like, imagine Joaquin Noah on the bench as an assistant coach. Like, it's stuff you can do, that energy, that effort, the heart that he'll bring to the team. He's familiar with Billy Donovan's play for him. Stuff off the court that we can do that can really get this team moving. You bring another lifelong Bulls fan favorite back into the building. That energy, the effort, they'll respond to Joe King as an assistant coach, player coach type. Of, you feel me? But that's just something I'm thinking about just chiming in. Let me know what you think. All right. So, Buddy Love with the hot take here. Um, the Bulls are closer than we think. And here, I, I had an episode on this. But I'm just going to debunk this thing again. The Bulls were top five in defense because, A, they never tried for offensive rebounds. They actually, if you look at the Bulls' defense, they went and set up. after um, Immediately after an offensive shot went up more times than not, they left one player down there to try to offensive rebound, and then everybody else went to set up their defense. So that limited second – I mean, that limited um, transition points by the other team, that is one of the most effective and efficient uh, ways for teams to score in the modern NBA is in transition. The Bulls limited transition um, opportunities in that. Again, the Bulls also top five in defense because we don't turn the ball over as much as other teams, so that, again, limits transition buckets, and we, we're, we're pretty good at points. But our half-court defense is absolutely atrocious. So that top ten in defense number that we've all, I myself have all quoted, as far as how, how far the Bulls are away, no, the Bulls are way further away defensively than what that top five in, in efficiency will tell you because that the Bulls eliminated some of the mo more efficient uh, ways that the opponent offense can score, but our half-court defense, when we set in, is absolutely atrocious and, terrible, and terrible. And so that really kind of inflates that a little bit. Now, not to say that the Bulls would be absolutely terrible defensively, even if you, t if you added that in, I would say the Bulls probably was still a, a top 15 defense in the league, but definitely not top five if we actually played and competed for trying to get second chance points and things that most offenses do. We passed up an efficient, uh, a way to score office efficiently to, to limit what the other team can do efficient on the offensive end in transition. So I just wanted to point that out. So I don't think that the Bulls are as close as what you think, and that's fine. I'm, I'm, again, I don't have all the answers. You could very well be more right than me. But as far as, like, doing some things off the court, like, Joe Kim Noah doesn't want to be a coach. We can say all day, like, yeah, let's bring in Joe. He'll motivate the guys. He'll do this. Listen, to me, I feel like this. If your coaching staff isn't motivating your guys, doing a vanity thing like adding Joe Kim Noah to your bench, it's, not, it's only going to do so much. Not to say that the players won't respect Joe Kim Noah. Not to say that Joe Kim Noah can't get in the ears of players, but Joe Kim Noah has no interest in getting into coaching now. Well, I do think when Joe Kim Noah gets a little bit older and kind of calms down, he could turn into a, a, a very solid, at least high-level assistant. Joe, Joe Kim Noah has shown no, no interest. That you can't force somebody into a role that they don't want to be. So, no, the Bulls need to take care of things on the court. And we need drastic improvements on the court so that we can function better as a team, change that shot profile, which is the buzzword this offseason, and just become a more efficient team in what we do and how we operate 
and become a more modern offense. That's my take on it, but thank you for the voicemail, Buddy Love, uh, which is a hell of a name. Let's get into this next voicemail. This one's from Shay. What's up, guys? This is Shay. You know, I don't know if you've given this some thought or not, but Jalen Brown is about to be a free agent next offseason, along with DeMar DeRozan. Look, man, I'm not saying trade them for each other, or if we could, we do that, but if we're going to go for Jalen Brown, <laughs> our best bet is to go for, go for him now. For him now. Not when he hits the free agent market. But right now, because if Boston loses against the Philadelphia 76ers, oh, they're going to look to separate one of him, him or Tatum. And nine times out of ten, he's going to be the odd man out. Another thing, I think we should look to pursue Grant Williams. Now, look, I know what you're going to say, all that size and shit, that matters. But let's think about it. Grant Williams is the same size as Draymond Green. And we're not asking him to play center. We're asking him to play power forward. And last time I checked, he is a good defender, and he is a, a good outside shooter, and he hasn't been used in the Celtic system in the playoffs as of lately. And he can contribute a good amount of points. And I, that we necessarily need him to. We just need him to hit open shots. And he could be our solution at backup power forward since he's not being used. And he's on a fairly rookie contract, I think. Hey, I think we should go for those to take them off the Celtics. Now, I know what you think. Who we have to give up, we'll deal with that in the meantime. But I say those two names that we should be looking at right about now, especially if they're out the playoffs by, let's say, tomorrow. Anyway, tell me what you think. Peace. And Shay with a couple of different targets from the Boston Celtics. First up, I gotta I gotta address this, Shay. Where the hell are you getting that Grant Williams can provide some score? Grant Williams averages four shots a game per his career. Where is he providing some scoring at for? Now, he does bring toughness. He does bring some rebounding at times. He could be a solid backup big. I definitely agree with you for with that. But when you look at Grant Williams' age, right? I think about 24 years old, he's heading into restricted free agency. You usually have to overpay for restricted free agents. And as we know, the Bulls do not have cap space to really do that right now. We have a mid-level exception that we can throw at, at somebody. But even theoretically, using our full mid-level exception is going to send us into the luxury tax. So not to say that the Bulls couldn't necessarily get something done with a sign and trade. I just think if you're going to do that and attach that level of money, you should set your sights a little bit higher than Grant Williams. Grant Williams, to me, is a player that you bring in if you have a near championship level roster. And you bring in that for toughness. Grant Williams is like a modern P.J. Tucker, Jay Crowder type type role, in my opinion. And so, not, and I, I don't think he's a terrible basketball player by any means, but the money he's about to get in the open market, I just don't think the Bulls are set to compete with. Now, as far as Jalen Brown being a Bulls target, um, I think that now Jalen Brown has um, qualified for the Supermax. And so for that, I do think that he's going to be motivated to stay with the Boston Celtics. Now, one could say that the Boston Celtics also could be motivated to now move on from him after his name's been in tons of trade rumors over the last couple of years. Um, but again, it would have to take, like you said, I mean, you could technically work out the deal. Um, and, you know, he, I, I brought him up as a target before. Um, I would say this. If the Bulls do fall in the top four of the lottery and they try to use that maybe to, to go after a superstar like a Jalen Brown, I wouldn't be mad at it. Um, but it would take something like that almost for the Bulls. Because keep in mind, the Bulls don't have very many first-round picks to trade, and that is going to be the biggest thing. Like, th like even if the Celtics got a near-level star for Jalen Brown, they're still going to want draft picks, future draft picks, because of his age, 24 years old, because of all of that. 
And the Bulls just aren't in a position to offer the picks that most of these players that are going to be on the market can take just by the nature of the picks that we are. We can't trade our first round pick again until 2027, I believe. So because of that, I don't think that is highly likely. But I would love Jalen Brown on the team. I think what Jalen Brown brings as a two-way player, um, I think he could he could fit next to Zach Levine really well on top of that. I just I don't know if I necessarily see it happening. But hey, stranger things have happened, and I hope. If the Bulls do pull off a deal like that, listen, I will be the first one here. I will buy a Jalen Brown jersey the day the trade goes through. But all right, let's move into the next voicemail. This one's for Michael Korn. Hey, 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 good day. As Michael Korn, uh, I like your caller uh, critiquing uh, Walter Kessler and uh, Dalen Terry and if the Bulls should have chosen uh, Walter Kessler. And your response bringing up, it was well-balanced, by the way, like your perspective. That, uh, you know, would have Walter Kessler even played, um, for Billy Donovan, which made me think if Dalen Terry was drafted by Utah, do you think we would have seen Dalen Terry playing, uh, for Utah? Uh, again, I didn't really follow Utah this year, except, you know, Laurie Markinen. Um, by the way, and speaking of the draft, that's really when, uh, you know, I became a, a fan of yours, uh, uh, on draft night last year, uh, uh, you know, your, your, um, reaction to the Dale and Terry pick was priceless. I remember it. So that kind of solidified my listening uh, to you ever since. Um, the, uh, and by the way, you know, I've been critical of AK, uh, you know, Acme. Uh, all is forgiven. Uh, I will say they are geniuses if they're somehow like, you know, sneak into, uh, the lottery with one of the first four picks. Uh, the probability is no, but you know, we'll be hoping. And, uh, um, so the, uh, last thing I wanted to mention is if the Bulls don't really do anything this year to change their team and they talk about, uh, changing the shooting profile, it started me thinking about DeMar DeRozan, who I still think is an awesome player. And I hope the, what I'd like to see him do is just work on his three and three or four of his possessions a game uh instead of him choosing a spot somewhere uh you know from 17 18 20 feet out like just step back a little bit uh just do his thing he could be dangerous sitting in the corner as well uh you know and going baseline um anyway the question i have with demar if you were demar uh and you wanted your game to evolve and you were working on your three, like how many shots a day would you be putting up uh, from long distance and working on your spots uh, from behind the arc? Hey, thanks, Hayes. Looking forward to your thoughts. Uh, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Great question, Michael Cohen. Would Dalen Terry have played if he was drafted by the Utah Jazz? I would say yes. I think when you look at that roster, they were motivated to play their young players. Um, I think he would have played some. I don't know how many minutes if he would have played, like, heavy minutes, but I do think that they would have used him. I think they would have used him at about two or three spots to really get uh, maximize his time. When you look at, like, Ochi Abaje, uh being used down there as well, I think that they could have used Dalen Terry similarly. Um, so, yeah, I think Dalen Terry would have played uh, if he got drafted by the Utah Jazz for sure. I don't know how effective he would have been in his rookie year, but he would have definitely played some. Now, as far as AK and the Bulls sneaking into the draft with a top four pick, that's really right now the prayers of most of Bulls Nation is that the Bulls can get lucky and get into that 
that if the Bulls picks falls in top four, we are in business. The offseason opens up so much for the Bulls because, yeah, if they don't see a player that they think is going to be a transcendent star, which I think they can definitely get at the top four of this draft, they can use it as a trade chip to move on and bring some high-level current veteran talent. They can go ahead and draft and, and push for their timeline. They can do a lot. I think that's right now like the hope. And I think once once we know what the Bulls' des- draft destiny is going to be, which we'll know on Tuesday, we'll start seeing a more clear picture on how they're going to operate this offseason. So be on the lookout for that. We'll be live this Tuesday for the draft lottery. Um, now, as far as DeMar DeRozan working on his three-point shooting, yes, um, you know, I would love to see DeMar take more threes. There, were, there was a period this season where DeMar DeRozan absolutely started taking more threes and was hitting them pretty efficiently. Um, and, you know, as far as how many threes should he, 100, 100 threes a day. 100 threes a day is what I'd say. That's kind of the number of anything. 100 a day. Take 100 a day. That's what I'll say to work on any game, anybody. If you're a young person, working on your basketball game, 100 a day. Whatever shot you're trying to work on, 100 a day. Take 100 a day, period. That, that works the mechanics. That makes, helps it become muscle memory. That helps you improve certain things. 100 a day. But anyway, as far as like DeMar, if DeMar can become a more consistent three-point threat for the Chicago Bulls, it opens up the Bulls' offense hugely. It does. Um, I don't know at this point in his career if he does that, but uh, consistently I think we'll see some stretches of it. He's already talked about he knows he needs to take more threes for this team. But, you know, we'll end up seeing, man. We'll see. But let's get into the last voicemail from the day. This one's from the general, Brandon L. Jett in the building. Yo, what's going on, Hayes? This is Brandon L. Jett, a general. I didn't have a question, but I had a comment, specifically to all the idiots that were in the comments talking about the Bulls should trade Vucevic for DeAndre Aiden. Now, we all know that the Phoenix Suns was eliminated in six games by uh, the Denver Nuggets. And I was wondering how DeAndre Aiden compared against other bigs within the league. Well, we know that Joker totally owned him up in this series. Looking at the stats, in the five games that he played against Denver, DeAndre Aiden averaged 11 points a game and eight rebounds a game. Meanwhile, Joker averaged 34 and a half points per game, 13 rebounds a game, and 10 assists in six games. Meanwhile, his averages against the Bulls this season, he averaged a grand total of 13 points per game, 11 assists, and 9 rebounds total. Those are some stats for your ass in the mess. And Brandon L. Jet dropping facts on DeAndre Ayton. And I love how this book ends this episode. I talked about uh, uh, DeAndre Ayton at the start. We're going to finish with a voicemail from Brandon L. Jet on DeAndre Ayton. And he dropped nothing but pure facts. Um, I know, I understand. That some Bulls fans, and what, what did I say with the Dylan Brooks thing? Some Bulls fans are so thirsty that they are willing to drink piss to satiate their thirst. Now, um, DeAndre Aiden isn't necessarily pissed. I think there's piss in the water, though. Uh, it's not pissed straight up. But th- listen, I just, for us to make DeAndre Aiden effective on this team, it would take completely restructuring. You have to also pair a high-level point guard with him to do that. We don't have that. Now, if Lonzo Ball was fully healthy, not to say that my opinion would be completely different, but it may change slightly in the, in the sense of that. But I just, I don't see it, man. I don't see it. And I get it. I, I, Bulls fans, too, I think at a point, we need to realize that a lot of Bulls fans just want something different, to have something different, because these last two seasons have been rough. This, beside the start of last season, from All-Star break throughout this season, it's been rough for Bulls fans. And you feel that in the way that a lot of Bulls fans talk, communicate, it, uh, communicate about the team, everything. Bulls Nation is, is, is pissed right now. And so 
we, you know, it is what it is. I, I understand it to a degree, but I just hope that AK and Eversley make level-headed deals. And a move for DeAndre Ayton, I don't really just see. I don't see it improving the team that much. But, hey, you guys can let me know what you guys think on everything down below. That's it for today's Mailbag episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you're following the show at BullCentralPod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. BullCentralPod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail for a Sunday Mailbag episode, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you guys. And like I like to end every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.